Hi, I'm Grant Armstrong, and I get to serve as directing pastor here at St. John's United Methodist Church in Edwardsville, Illinois. We exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Our desire is to be a beacon of faith and service, focusing our passions and gifts to reflect Christ's love to the world. You are invited to join us each week at 9 a.m. for a time of traditional worship or at 11 a.m. for contemporary worship. Thanks for joining us for this online version of the sermon. Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verses 1 through 15. Jesus is teaching here, saying, I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant, so he explained it to them. I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers. But the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It was in 1971, and this is going to sound a little odd, when long-distance company Bell Systems started using the slogan, Reach Out and Touch Someone. It started as part of a print campaign to get people a little sentimental about having a conversation with someone who was maybe once close, but for one reason or another is now distant. Do you have an old college roommate that you've lost touch with? Reach out and touch someone. Just make a new friend at camp and now you're in distant places, reach out and touch someone. Do you have a sick relative who could use some encouragement and advice? Reach out and touch someone. Did you catch a big fish that you'd like to brag about? Would you like to make your mom cry just by saying, I just called to say I love you? Regardless of the purpose, reach out and touch someone. The campaign basically had no topical limit, and so the slogan was used in advertising even once Bell was broken up and turned into long-distance carrier AT&T, and went right up until 1992. You know why they had to tell people to call one another? It's not because folks were using their phones for text messaging or Candy Crush. It's because people actually had to pay for domestic long-distance phone calls and did so by the minute. They were less concerned about the human relationships, these companies, and more concerned about convincing people that paying money to talk to family and friends was worth it. Presently, some landline service providers still charge long-distance rates, and a lot of people have dropped landlines for mobile service that no longer even has an understanding of domestic long-distance. If you're calling in the U.S., it's in your plan, which probably includes unlimited calling, unlimited messaging, and unlimited data, which may be throttled back at a certain point if you come to the end of unlimited data. I don't know how that works. 
You can video chat with someone by accident from your pocket, and they can listen to you indefinitely at no cost, no charge. It wasn't that long ago, though, that it was a rare thing to be able to connect with one another from a distance. Before limitless data and communication and availability cuffed itself to us inside our pockets and purses, it was infrequent and it was costly. It took a little more for people to reach out and touch someone, but it was worth it if only for the sake of hearing a familiar voice. To hear the voice of a dear friend. To hear the voice of a family member. Hearing a familiar voice has brought people comfort for a long time. Jesus told us as much a couple of thousand years ago. That leads to our first lesson this morning. We benefit from learning the voice of our caring shepherd. We benefit from learning the voice of our caring shepherd. Jesus, again, is teaching, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of the sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls out his sheep by name and leads them out. After he gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Now, Jesus, at this point, is in and around Jerusalem teaching in the time leading up to his crucifixion. Pharisees, which are the professionally religious elite of Jesus' time, were just so constantly upset by his ministry that they tried to undermine him everywhere he went. He protected the life of a woman who was caught in adultery, sending her accusers away humbled and sending her away with a chance to be renewed. His accusers told him he didn't have any kind of authority to do that kind of stuff, but they did as children of Abraham. Jesus would eventually proclaim, unless you believe that I am who I claim to be, you will die in your sins. When you have lifted up the Son of Man on the cross, then you will understand that I am he. I tell you the truth, before Abraham was ever born, I am John 8 is packed with Jesus asserting that he is equivalent with the I am God of Israel, and the Pharisees really wanted him dead for it. In the next chapter, Jesus heals a man born blind and more than hints that the Pharisees remain blind despite Jesus' healings and displays of wisdom and power. They also did not like that. Then we get to this chapter. Jesus uses imagery to describe his beloved as sheep. Stubborn and smelly, I get it. He describes a group who are not interested in the care of the sheep, but only in their own care and their own increase. He calls them robbers, thieves. And then he says there is one to whom the sheep are drawn because they know his care. They know his voice. It's not the voice of a selfish stranger. It's the voice of a protector. Now, I've recently heard from every business that I've ever given my email address to over the past couple of weeks. Every single one of them has given me their detailed public plan for how it is that they're addressing the COVID-19. It's simultaneously very reassuring and also totally overwhelming to hear from everyone from World Vision to a third-party dancewear company that Walmart offered to us so we could get character shoes for our Clara. There are a lot of voices calling for our attention right now. There are companies and corporations, politicians, doctors, doubters, even pastors. Many of us are not experts on pandemics. Many of us are not experts on the future. Many on that list are also not experts about you. 
I'm not absolutely positive that every one of those correspondences and messages I've received has been primarily focused on public health and my personal well-being either. Some of it just felt like marketing. And I understand that because we have to try and keep things afloat somehow during this shelter-in-place instruction. Still, in the midst of all these messages, where do we find a steady voice that truly cares for us now and eternally? I think we find that in Jesus. What does Jesus say? That's our second lesson. Jesus intends for us to experience true and abundant life. Jesus intends for us to experience true and abundant life. Jesus says, yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. There is a time to come in under protection. Did you catch that in this passage? There's a time to come in under protection. So in Jesus' day, there were a couple of different ways that you could corral sheep. There were caves and pens, and when it was time to come in from the pasture for either caution or counting, the sheep would go to the back of the cave, or they would enter in through the opening of the pen. The cave had one entrance, and the pen's walls were tall enough to keep predators out and sheep in. It was the job of the one responsible for the sheep to stand or sit or lie down at the mouth of the entrance to the cave or pen to monitor any sheep trying to enter or exit for safety or to stop anybody who was trying to enter in to steal or kill. It's incredible imagery for us as we're sheltered in place. We're inside our caves and pens, what we would otherwise call our houses, and I just picture the doors safeguarded by a really good shepherd. Jesus is there to protect the flock because right now there is enough danger that it was probably time to bring the sheep into the fold of safety. Can you picture Jesus at your doorway, standing there at the entrance to your home? Can you imagine Christ standing like a shepherd at the opening of your home and saying to you, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I've come so you can have life and have life in abundance. Now, it doesn't always feel like abundant life for the sheep when they're inside the pen, but the pen is what allows them to experience the safety, the security, so that they can live and enjoy the freedom of green pastures. Now, Jesus wasn't talking about people needing to lock themselves in their homes during a shelter in place, but he was about to face crucifixion, and his followers were about to scatter and shut themselves behind locked doors out of fear. He knew their anxieties and how they'd hide out in safety for a while. Do you know what they did with that time? Do you know what they did with their fearful sheltering? They patiently waited in worship and prayer. From the time of the crucifixion to the time when the Holy Spirit came down at Pentecost, Christ's faithful used that time to pray and fast and wait patiently upon the Lord for what God promised would come. The Holy Spirit, the Comforter, would emerge and come forth with joy and courage and zeal. Not because they were locked up and couldn't take it anymore. Not because they were bored out of their minds. They experienced power and celebration because they were with God the entire time. And their prayers in that time aligned their hearts so much more closely with one another and with their Heavenly Father. They emerged having been prepared because their time cloistered away wasn't wasted. It was prayerful 
preparation. Now, I don't believe that COVID-19 was sent by God to test or judge or condemn us. I believe Jesus means it when he says that he came so that we could have life that is true and abundant. But I do believe God will use this time to strengthen God's people if we allow it. Just because we're not gathered together does not mean that our hearts aren't one. Just because we aren't physically together doesn't mean that we aren't joined together in Christ. Even though you're there and I'm here doesn't mean that the communion of saints is broken. I love gathering. I'm so excited for when we get to do this together again in person. For as much as I don't love to use Facebook personally, it has certainly provided a very helpful tool for me over these past couple of weeks so we can have some continuity as our life together in the church. But it's not the same. I know it's not. And I'll tell you something. Jesus is still with us. We weren't looking for or taking excuses to get out of gathering together. I know some of us are just stubborn and foolish enough to come into the church even if we were to step outside and it would immediately melt our lungs. But this, this is for a season. We haven't forsaken gathering, but our gathering does look different, doesn't it? We haven't ceased to be the body of Christ but it does require something different of us. We haven't stopped caring for one another, but our care has taken on a different form. We have not stopped being the church, but we innovate, and we remember, perhaps, back to when the church wasn't about nice buildings, but there were homes that people gathered in, and catacombs, and they would gather together faithfully with their families or with small groups and come together in Christ in whatever way they could. Our efforts now may not be our preferences. They're certainly not permanent. They're not perfect either. But fortunately, the one we worship is. That leads to our third lesson. Jesus is a faithful shepherd even when others inevitably fall short. Jesus is a faithful shepherd even when others inevitably fall short. Jesus proclaims, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I missed the seminary class when they taught pandemics. I've not lived through a global viral outbreak before, but I've seen movies about it, and I remember getting really upset when somebody would sneeze or cough in the theater when I was watching Outbreak. I didn't really jot down many leadership lessons over the course of that movie, however. But here's the thing. So many of us are having to invent a new way of being based on a challenging new reality. We're all trying to get it right in ways that really matter, things like caring well for people, providing some words of comfort, from God's promises, meeting the needs of people who are struggling. The trouble is, none of this is going to be perfect. I'm not the good shepherd. I am in his employ, and I want to care for you with the love of Jesus. But my hope is in this. My greatest hope is to point people to Jesus. When our well-thought plans are in the shredder by 3 p.m. on Friday afternoon and our best intentions are fully engulfed in flame, Jesus is still pouring out love. 
When our homeschool time turns into sessions of weeping and pulling out hair and the kids seem to be frustrated with it too, then Jesus has an abundance of grace for that. When we've systematically seen so many of the events on our calendars disappear indefinitely, Jesus is right there as the companion and joy to top them all. God cares so deeply for you. Jesus is a caregiver beyond our deserving, but his love restores us. It makes us whole. We get to turn to Jesus while we're in the sheep pen. And we don't get to let this time be wasted. We get to use this as a time of active caring and prayerful preparation. And when the time does come to move about freely again, we'll remember to give thanks to the good shepherd who placed himself between us and harm. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we are so thankful. You are our good shepherd. You care for us. You safeguard us. You pour out love upon us. Allow us to find our peace in that. Let us take our comfort in that. God, we ask that you would continue to lead and guide us in grace, that as we spend this time, we spend it prayerfully in preparation for what you have in store. And that we would never forget to give thanks that you are the one who has laid down his life for us so that we can know life that is true and abundant and eternal. We thank you for all of this in the powerful name of Christ our Lord. Amen.